0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Nerds of the Roundtable podcast. My name is Antonio Padilla. I am your Arthur. Uh, Unfortunately, Cliff is not joining me for this one. It's just, you know, our schedules didn't line up. So this is just going to be me solo. And like I said, this is a very special episode. This is not going to be coverage of the news or anything uh, that you would normally hear on this Today I want to talk about something that I've been meaning to record an episode about for almost two weeks now. Why is it taking me this long? Well, you know, obviously things have come up and uh, I just haven't had the time to do it. Obviously we've been off the air for a couple of weeks now, and I apologize for that, beginning with this episode that you're listening to right now. We are going to be back in full swing with new episodes and new content. New segments that we're working on. So, you know, hopefully you guys are still with us. Now, for today's episode. This is something that is very personal to me, very near and dear to my heart. And something that I I never thought we would get all of this information about. Now, let let me explain. Two weekends ago... Not this last weekend, the weekend before that. Uh, uh, director Zack Snyder had organized and hosted a charity event which uh, in which he was holding a screening of his director's cuts of three of his films. Uh, the director's cut for Dawn of the Dead, director's cut of Watchmen, and the ultimate edition, which is his director's cut, of Batman versus Superman. And at each of these screenings, uh, Dawn of the Dead was on Friday night, Watchmen was on Saturday, Batman versus Superman was on Sunday. And after each film, Zack would hold a Q&A session with himself and various uh, crew members who worked on these films with him. And you know, as these things went along, when they did Dawn of the Dead, the Q&A section Pretty much stuck to Dawn of the Dead when they did Watchmen. Same thing, they pretty much stuck to the subject of Watchmen. Now, on Sunday night, after Batman vs. Superman, when it came to the Q&A section, as you could probably imagine, the discussion moved towards Justice League and everything that happened there. And this is when Zack Snyder himself dropped... So many bombs on all of us. He basically laid out his entire plan, his original vision for Justice League parts one and part two. And this is why I wanted to record this episode, because, like myself, uh, and I've spoken to I spoke to Swag about this in person, and I told him all of these details that I'm about to tell you, and I told him what I'm about to tell you right now. Uh, When it comes to Justice League, you know, the movie you saw in theaters, the movie that's available on Blu-ray right now, that is not Zack Snyder's movie. His name might be on it, but that is not the movie he made. That is not the movie he shot. That is not the movie he intended for us to see. Um, But regardless of all that, I thought I had made my peace with... Justice League and everything that happened, you know. I say this all the time, like, is it a great movie? No. But I can watch that movie and enjoy myself. I can watch that movie and have a good time. And, you know, that's really all it is. I thought I made my peace with that movie and moved on. But after hearing everything that Zack Snyder had to say, and hearing him... Discuss his original vision for this movie and everything that would have come afterwards. I can't move on. I just can't. I'm sorry. Like, it, it, I, it's so messed up. And, like, believe me, I always said, like, I was frustrated and angry with what happened to Zack Snyder during the production of Justice League. Because he shot the movie he intended for us to see. But after sort of the, uh, the mixed reactions and receptions to Batman vs. Superman, the studio obviously was shaken. You know, they, unfortunately they lost faith in Zack and his original vision. And I'm going to talk about all that as well, just stay with me here. So, let's go back to the beginning. When Zack Snyder signed on to direct Man of Steel, Uh, DC and Warner Brothers approached him and they said, Hey, we want something like what Marvel has. Do you have any ideas? What do you have? Zack Snyder pitched them five films. Okay, And this was never intended to be an interconnected cinematic universe like what Marvel has done. It was just supposed to be five films centered around Superman. Those five films would have been Man of Steel... Batman vs. Superman, Justice League Part 1, Justice League Part 2, and a fifth still to this day unknown film. And the studio said yes, clearly, because he made two and a half of those movies uh, before they lost faith in him and his vision. Now, uh, obviously things changed a little bit, and I'm going to also talk about this as well, like when the studio said, we want to do a Wonder Woman movie, you know, Zack Snyder cast Gal Gadot in Batman vs. Superman, and when they said, we're going to do a Wonder Woman movie, he was like, well, so long as it doesn't, you know, mess up what this original plan was, and they were like, oh, don't worry, it's going to be a prequel, and he's like, oh, okay, that's fine, and so, you know, everything that sort of came out of these movies and I'm also going to discuss Zack Snyder's involvement in movies like Wonder Woman and Aquaman for those people out there who want to hate on Zack and say, Oh, those movies are only as good because he had nothing to do with them. Bullshit. Uh, (laughs) Zack Snyder was heavily involved in both Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and I'm going to get into that later. So, Zack's original vision, like I said, was five films. We still don't know what the fifth film was supposed to be. As of right now, we only know Man of Steel Batman vs. Superman, Justice League Parts 1 and 2. And by the way, it's Batman vs. Superman. If you say Batman v. Superman, you're an idiot. Okay, so, the man who approved Zack's original vision, who hired him, Kevin Sujihara. I want to talk about this a little bit, I'm not going to get too in-depth, but... Uh, Some of you may or may not know that he recently quote-unquote stepped down as the head of Warner Brothers. Uh, In other words, he was fired. Because he got himself into a bit of a controversy, he ended up being not such a great guy. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that here. If you want to know what it was, Google it. All I'm going to say is, hey Kevin, karma's a bitch. (laughs) So anyway, so like I was saying, Zack, he made Man of Steel. And I love Man of Steel. Alright, regardless of how you feel about that movie, regardless of how I feel about that movie, let's just keep going. He does Batman vs. Superman, which we know was edited down and cut down for the theatrical cut, obviously. The the Ultimate Edition is out there on Blu-ray and DVD, digital, whatever. And the Ultimate Edition, which is Zack's director's cut of that film, is a far superior version of that movie. But after that movie came out, after it hit theaters and... Uh, the film was very divisive. You know, people either loved it or they hated it. And this is what shook Warner Brothers and Kevin Tsujihara's faith in Zack and his original vision. So when it came to Justice League, which Zack was already heavily into pre-production on, you know, obviously they were like, oh, you know, we don't know, we don't know if we want to keep Stay on the path that we're on, and blah 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 blah. This is where all the problems started, uh, because Zach apparently he discussed this during the Q and A. He said that the original version that him and Chris Terrio wrote uh, after Batman vs Superman came out, and everybody was either loved it or hated it, and Warner Brothers was like, "Hey, maybe don't make a movie that's so divisive." Zach and Chris apparently looked at their original script and said, oh man, maybe we are crazy. You know, if we make this movie, the movie we wrote, people are going to crucify us. So they apparently did a rewrite of the script. But Zach says the original heart, the original intention, was still in the, the second draft that they did, which is what they shot. And regardless of what you hear online about uh, Zach's cut of the movie you know there are people out there who are like it doesn't exist move on Zach also confirmed that yes he shot the version of the movie that he and Chris wrote the the latter draft uh, the reshoots and everything that were done with Joss Whedon those were ordered by Kevin Sujihara to change the film because they like I said that he lost faith in Zach This is why Zack left, you know, because he saw the studio didn't want to do what he originally pitched them, what they originally approved, and he was unwilling to alter the film any further than he already did. So you can imagine that once they lost faith in him, obviously he, he was not going to compromise his vision, so he walked away, which is unfortunate. Uh, This is when Joss Whedon was brought on and that's how we ended up with the version of the movie that we have today. Now, like I said before, I can watch that movie, I can enjoy it, I can have a good time. It's not a great movie, it's not a perfect movie, but, you know, whatever. Now, let's get into a couple of things that changed once Zack left Justice League. Uh, The biggest one for me was that Junkie XL, who did the score for Batman vs. Superman, with Hans Zimmer. A lot of people don't give Junkie credit for the music he did. He came in and did all the new themes for that movie. Hans Zimmer was really only there to reprise his themes from Man of Steel. Um, So Junkie XL was supposed to do the score for Justice League himself. When Zack left, they let him go, and they replaced him with Danny Elfman, and that's when we got the... Bland, generic score that we have with no memorable themes and throwbacks to classic themes like the 89 Batman theme song and the 77 John Williams Superman theme song. And that really just terrible orchestral version of the Wonder Woman theme song. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not crapping on Danny Elfman. I love Danny Elfman. I'm a big fan of his works in the past, but his Justice League score just felt like he was playing it safe. He was playing the hits, and it that score does nothing for me, absolutely nothing. Uh, So that was one of the big changes for me that still upsets me to this day. Whatever. Now, obviously, there were a lot of things that were altered between Zack's Justice League and what it has been come to know be known as Justice League. Uh, <clears throat> One of the biggest changes to the movie is the way the movie opens. In Zack's original film, the movie opened with Bruce tracking down Arthur Curry. There was no cell phone footage of Superman or that rooftop sequence where Batman baits the, uh, the parademon. That was all Joss. Now, I do like that rooftop sequence with Batman, but, you know. Uh, obviously there was more of pre- cyborg Victor Stone in the film that was also unfortunately deleted uh, if you go back and watch any of the trailers you'll see so much footage of cyborg that does not appear in the finished film. this includes like back when he was still playing football prior to his accident or even um, after he's had his accident and he is cyborg like some of the some of the shots I point to in the trailers are you know you'll see a his face fully covered in some kind of, uh, like, a mask or whatever. And that was supposed to be there because, you know, if half of his face is still human and he's in battle, you know, that part of his face is vulnerable. So it makes sense that some sort of blast shield would come down and cover his face. And the thing that really drives me crazy about this alteration to the film is that they made and released action figures of this version of Cyborg and he d- that doesn't appear in the movie at all. It's in all the trailers, but it's not in the movie. So, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, so yeah, a lot of Cyborg got cut out of the film, and a lot of what's in the film was drastically altered from what Zack originally envisioned. There was also a slightly extended version of the uh, the Wonder Woman rescue scene where she saves the people in the bank. You can also see part of this in one of the trailers as well. It looks like um, it looks like there was an explosion inside the bank, from what you could see from that clip that's in the trailers. I, I honestly don't know how much different this was, but you know, it is what it is. Now these are certain I'm gonna start getting into information that has since come out from Zack Snyder himself, either on his Vero account. Or, you know, uh, information that he gave us at the, the Q&A. So, like in the final film, uh, Hippolyta was supposed to fire the, the arrow, right, that was supposed to light the Ancient Warning fire. And this is, like in the final film, Diana sees it and she, she knows something's wrong. But, in Zach's version of the film, Diana was supposed to go to where the fire was burning, And then she and her mother would have communicated, kind of like, uh, you know, like a, you know, like an Aquaman when Orm uses that water hologram. Like uh, Hippolyta would have appeared inside the flame, and her and Diana would have had a conversation. And this is where we would have gotten the original version of that flashback to Steppenwolf and Darkseid's first invasion, their first attempt to invade Earth. This is where things get drastically different, because Darkseid himself would have appeared in the film, not just here, we'll get into that later. But uh, he was supposed to have been seen as a piece of art on the walls there where the fire was, but then when we go into the flashback, he was also supposed to be there with Steppenwolf. And... Zack's version of this flashback included a scene where Darkseid and Ares do battle with one another. You heard that right, Darkseid versus Ares. They robbed us of that scene. Now, this is going to open up a whole lot of discussion as well, because there's information that I need to get into that is uh, essential to the world building and the mythology that Zack built into this film that he had originally built into the film, all of which was removed except for a couple of references to it. Uh, The first thing that was altered was Steppenwolf's original design. Uh, If you've seen the concept artwork that has since leaked online, you know that his original design was beastly, to say the least. Uh, He did not look anything like the character that appears in the film that exists today. And you can even see this in Batman vs. Superman if you watch the, the Ultimate Edition, when you see that that moment where Lex is communicating with uh, Steppenwolf inside the, the ship. That version of Steppenwolf looks nothing like Steppenwolf in the Justice League movie. Now, when Zack left, this was apparently another one of the changes that Warner Brothers ordered for the film. They wanted Steppenwolf to look less scary. And that's why we have the version of him that exists today. Uh, so that's number one. When, uh, one of the other things that they completely chopped out of the film was the mythology behind the mother boxes. Like I said, there are references to this still in the movie. Like you hear, you constantly hear Steppenwolf cry out "mother" when he's talking about the mother boxes. That's because originally the spirit, the soul, the essence, whatever you want to call it of he and Darkseid's mother was supposed to be infused into the mother boxes, hence why he's constantly calling out mother, why he's constantly talking to his mother. Uh, And I know that left a lot of people confused when that film first came out, but that's what it was. They cut all that out, but for some reason left all those instances in where he's talking to his mother. Doesn't make any sense. Whatever. So uh, anyway, so that's a lot of the stuff that was cut out altogether. Now we have to talk a little bit about um, it, a little bit. We're going to go back a little bit to Batman vs Superman because as things stand right now, with the cut of Justice League that exists right now, that nightmare sequence from Batman vs Superman and Barry Allen's warning to Bruce in the Batcave. Makes no sense. No matter how you cut it, this was all supposed to make sense in Zack's original version of Justice League, Justice League Part Two, and we're going to get into this now. There's a bit of, a, there's a scene that Zack explained to us that exists in his cut of Justice League, and you can see a little bit of this scene in one of the trailers. Uh, there was supposed to be a conversation between Bruce and Diana, where Bruce was telling. Diana about uh, about that whole thing when Barry showed up in the Batcave. He says to her, uh, Barry Allen appeared in my Batcave yelling at me about Lois Lane and how she was the key. And then Diana says, uh, she is, to Superman. Every heart has a key. And then Bruce says, and this is the part you can see in one of the trailers, he says, I think it meant something else. Something darker. And boy did it. we'll get into that a little bit later. Now, one of the other things that was changed was Superman's resurrection. Uh, The means by which he was resurrected in Zack's film was very different from what was done in the final film. Apparently, Steppenwolf himself would have been responsible for resurrecting Superman. Uh, To my knowledge, Zack didn't really elaborate on this, I'm assuming Steppenwolf brought him back to life so that Superman would be his quote-unquote perfect soldier. And this actually puts this scene into more context, the scene where Superman fights the entire Justice League all by himself. That was Zack's scene. And I know a lot of people point to that scene in the movie and say, that's my favorite scene. Well, you have Zack Snyder to thank for that scene. That was his. But see, it makes more sense that if Steppenwolf resurrected Superman, then Superman would have thought that the League were his enemies and he would have attacked them. Yeah. And also, this resurrection was supposed to happen much earlier in the film as well, because we've seen behind-the-scenes footage and behind-the-scenes photos of Superman standing with the League in scenes where he is nowhere to be seen in the final cut of the film. So, uh, but this also, you know, feeds into more of, like, uh just just how drastically this film was changed. And when I was talking to all, to Swag about all this, even he was like, "Yeah, man, now that you told me all this, it's like they completely butchered that film. They completely turned it into something different." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." And it infuriates me. <laughs> now, one of the other things, this was a piece of information that came out almost immediately after Justice League hit theaters, and I honestly didn't know what to make of this piece of information because I thought that Doesn't make any sense. But Zack sort of confirmed this as well. Now, the information that came out was that. uh, So, in the final version of Justice League, during the final battle with Steppenwolf, you know, Steppenwolf lifts Cyborg up and he rips his leg off. Well, in Zack's version of the film, during that battle with Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf was supposed to have ripped Cyborg in half. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I thought the same thing when I first heard this. I thought, wait, so Cyborg was supposed to die in this film? That doesn't make any sense. No, he would not have died. He would have survived. He just would have been ripped in half. Uh, So, yeah, so that piece of information came out, like I said, almost immediately after Justice League hit theaters, and I thought, that's interesting, But now that Zack has put it into context for all of us, I understand what he was doing, why he was doing it, and just how cool it would have been to see what we were going to see. So, you know, uh, obviously we don't have a whole lot of information on certain other things that would have happened in Zack's movie, but we do know that Darkseid would have killed Steppenwolf himself because Steppenwolf brought Superman back to life. Now, we're going to get into something here, because this was a piece of information that also came out, I think this came out right before Zack left the project. I know this piece came out prior to the movie hitting theaters, because people were talking about how they had seen Zack's cut of the movie, and they said it had, quote, a mind-blowing cliffhanger. And I'm sure this is what it was, because Zack straight up told us what this scene was. He explained it all to us. So after the Justice League defeated Steppenwolf, the Justice League would have been at the Batcave, and Lois Lane would have been there as well. Whether Superman was there or not, I'm not sure. But, out of nowhere, Darkseid would have boom-tubed into the Batcave to kill Lois Lane. Diana would have tried to protect her and she would have ended up dying as well. Aquaman also would have died and Darkseid would have killed Lois and then he boom tubes out. Shocking, right? So Superman would have then held Bruce responsible for Lois's death and in his anger and in his sadness he then would have succumbed to the Anti-Life Equation. This would have been the cliffhanger to Justice League Part 1, and this would have led into Justice League Part 2. Justice League Part 2 would have been set in that Nightmare Earth that we glimpsed in Batman vs Superman. Darkseid would have taken over the Earth with Superman by his side, and the only surviving members of the Justice League would have been Batman, The Flash, and what's left of Cyborg. Now, this film would have centered around, you know, obviously Bruce leading some sort of resistance against Superman's forces, like we saw in the nightmare sequence. But at the same time, Bruce, Barry, and Victor would have been trying to figure out how to send Barry back through time so that they could change all of this, so they could avoid all of this. Now, Zach explained to us how time travel would have worked in this, in this world, in this universe. Because I think this was very smart of him. Because, uh, you know, like on the TV show for The Flash, Barry Allen can just hop back and forth through time whenever he wants. He can change whatever he wants, he can do whatever he wants, you know. So, if you have a character who's that powerful, who can time travel at will to whatever point he wants, whenever he wants, what's the point of putting any sort of conflict into his stories if he can just undo it whenever he wants, right? And you saw in the TV show, if you watch it like I do, they that's why they did the Flashpoint, well, their version of Flashpoint on the show, was so they said, like, yes, Barry can do these things, but he shouldn't. Zack was a bit smarter about it, where he put a cap on just how powerful Barry was and how his version of time travel works. Uh, now, he prefaced this by saying, the idea they were playing with had no basis in actual physics. This was just something they came up with, and honestly, I think it's pretty rad," he said. In order to time travel to a specific point in time, the Earth has to be in relatively the same position in space that it was at the point of time that you're trying to travel back to, and because if it's not in the same point, if it's not in the same place in space and you try to go back to a certain point in time, you just end up in outer space and you'd die. Again, this has no basis in physics or, you know, quantum mechanics or what, what, what have you, but I think it works. Sounds pretty great. You know, it, it gives them a reason to have to try and figure out how, when, and where to send Barry. Now, he also explained to us a scene that would have happened between Cyborg and Bruce, where, you know, Cyborg says to Bruce, he says, uh... We've, we have two possible windows that we can send Barry. So we have point A and point B. Bruce says, well, which one of these would you use if you weren't asking for my help? Cyborg says, point A. Bruce says, okay, then use point B. Cyborg says, why? Bruce says, because you already used point A and Barry Allen ended up in the Batcave shouting nonsense at me. <laughs> you know, and that would have been a callback to what happened in Batman vs. Superman. You know, because Barry, he, he said... He said, am I too soon? I'm too soon. You know, they tried to send him back, and he ended up showing up too early. Bruce didn't know what he was talking about when he said, it's Lois, Lois Lane, she's the key. So Bruce didn't know what he was talking about. So here, when Cyborg presents him with the options, he says, use point B, because you already tried point A, and that didn't work. Now, (laughs) this is all pretty awesome, right? I think it's pretty awesome. But then there would have been a final stand against Darkseid in the Nightmare Earth. And we've known this for a while. Zack confirmed this on his Vero account. Batman would have sacrificed himself to save Superman. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, what? Batman was going to die? Hear me out. Just stay with me. After defeating Darkseid, Cyborg would have gone to... Well, what's left of Cyborg? He would have told Barry... You know, it's time. We have... The time is now. This would have been their version of, you know, run, Barry, run. So Barry takes... You know, he goes, you know, opens up a, a... He opens up the time... Space-time continuum. And he goes back to right before Dark Side appears in the Batcave and kills everybody. Right? And I don't know how. I don't know how. We don't have these details, but they would have prevented it from happening. Therefore, Batman would still be alive. Wonder Woman would still be alive. Aquaman would be, still be alive. Everybody would have survived. And that horrible future would have been averted. Now, if you are left feeling shock and uncertainty... This is how we all felt when Zach explained all of this to us but then followed a feeling of frustration and anger because we knew we were robbed of something very special. However, there might be hope for the future. I say that because at the beginning of this special report I mentioned how the man who lost faith in Zack Snyder and ordered the butchering of Justice League. Kevin Tsujihara, he's no longer involved with Warner Brothers. And the rumors are that the people who have come in to replace him have since reached out to Zack Snyder about possibly coming back in what capacity, we don't know. But they have extended an olive branch to him. And Zack Snyder himself said, "Yes, his cut of the film does exist. He owns a copy of it. Uh, and if you're wondering why doesn't he just release it, he can't legally. He cannot. The IP belongs to Warner Brothers in DC. He can't release that film, otherwise he'll be in a lot of trouble. But he did reveal that uh, the campaigns by the campaign by the fans online uh, has been felt by the people at Warner Brothers." they have felt immense pressure from the fans to release his version of the film. Now, I've never been one of those guys who's like, you know, hashtag release the Snyder cut. I was never one of those guys. Like I said, I thought I had made my peace with what happened. But after hearing all this, no, I can't. I can't move on. I am one of those guys now. I'm out there campaigning and fighting and to everybody out there who is fighting, who has been fighting since day one, don't give up. We're so close. So please, 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 please keep fighting. We we may get to see Zach's original cut of this movie if we keep fighting, if we keep putting the pressure on them. And who knows, if, uh, if the rumors are true and the, the people at Warner Brothers in D.C. right now are talking to Zach, we might even get to see him finish his original version of the story. And some of you might immediately be like, wait, how, how can that be if they've already moved on and made an Aquaman movie and a Shazam movie and blah 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 blah? You guys aren't listening to me! <laughs> These movies involve time travel. All those movies can still happen, but they take place after The Flash comes back in time and changes everything. Okay, We can still get Zack's story, and it will still fit into what's happening now. (sighs) So anyway, that was Zack's original vision. And like I said, if the rumors are true, there might be hope for the future. So keep your fingers crossed, because with all those rumors that they might be reaching out to Zack again, there are also rumors that Ben Affleck might be coming back as well. Because uh, all of this information, all, with all of this information, also came the realization that the reason Ben Affleck stepped down from directing the Batman, the reason why he's not starring in any Batman related stuff right now is because Zack Snyder is the man who brought him on board. Ben had faith in Zack's vision. And when the studio lost faith in Zach and ultimately let Zach go, that's when Ben lost faith in the studio. That's why he left. So if Zach comes back, Ben might come back as well. So keep your fingers crossed, keep fighting, keep campaigning. Now, like I said earlier, to those of you who say, oh, good riddance, Zach is gone, good riddance. You know, Wonder Woman was only good because he had nothing to do with it. Bullshit. Aquaman was only good because he had nothing to do with it. Bullshit times two. Zack, during uh, this discussion where he was talking about Batman vs. Superman, he was talking about Justice League, he also revealed just how much of a hand he had in crafting Wonder Woman. Because like I said, he's the one who cast Gal Gadot. And without her, there probably is no Wonder Woman as she exists today. Uh, So anyway, so like in the film, like in Batman vs Superman, that exists both versions. You know, Wonder Woman is trying to Diana is trying to track down that photo that um, that Lex has in his possession. And so Zack revealed that when they were shooting the movie, the photo they used during filming was very different from the photo that exists in the finished film. You know, because there was no Wonder Woman movie. It it didn't exist. And it was only later in production of Batman vs. Superman that they were like, we're going to do a Wonder Woman movie. Don't worry, it won't interfere with your vision, it's going to be a prequel. It was like, all right, cool. And when Patty Jenkins came on board, you know, obviously she had no experience in the superhero genre she actually reached out to Zach to help her break the story for the film. And that's when they figured out they could center the whole thing around that photo that she's after. You know, that was the story. Why is she after it? What's the significance of this photo? Because he revealed the photo that they used during filming, it was just Diana, some random soldiers from a quote-unquote ancient war. There was no Steve Trevor, there was no Chief, there was no, you know, whatever. So when Zach and Patty were breaking the story, that's when they figured out, like, okay, this is the photo. It's going to be her and Steve, and it's going to be all about the people that she fought alongside in World War I. That's the war. So that's why Zach gets a story credit on that film. That's why he's an executive producer. He even has a cameo in that film. If you don't know where it is, I'm not going to tell you. Find it yourself. But, yeah, to those of you who are like, Wonder Woman's only good because Zack had nothing to do with it. Bullshit. Zack had a lot to do with that movie. And as for Aquaman, let's get into that, because James Wan himself confirmed all of this. He's the one who told this story. He said that after Justice League, and after the complete bastardization of that movie and the characters in that movie, he said, oh no, There's a very real possibility that the version of Aquaman that I put on screen is a version of Aquaman that's just telling fart jokes and he's fawning over Mira the whole movie. And he said, that's not a version of Aquaman I'm interested in putting on screen. And rightfully so. So he actually reached out to Zach, And he said, I need your help. I need you to help me walk the character back from what they just put on screen to the version of the character that you and I both collaborated on and envisioned. So, Zack helped James to go back to that original version of Aquaman that they both envisioned. The version of Aquaman that they sold Jason Momoa on. So, once again, if you liked Aquaman, if you liked how he was depicted in that film, you have to thank Zack Snyder for helping James Wan... Rein in all the camp that was put on in Justice League. So, what I'm saying here is, Zack Snyder clearly had a vision. And the studio who hired him lost faith in that vision. But, as I've said, all of the other filmmakers who came on board to do all these other films... They never lost faith in Zach. They asked for his help. So that should tell you something. If all the people who are out there making these films, they believed in Zach. they asked for his help, they needed his help, that should tell you something. Clearly he knew what he was doing. And this is what frustrates me. This is what frustrates me about what happened and this is why I'm so angry (laughs) after having heard his original version of these films. So, like I said, I know we're close. We're close to winning this. So keep fighting. Don't give up. Not now. Uh, That's going to do it for this special report from Nerds of the Round Table, I am Antonio Padilla, if you have any thoughts, go ahead and uh, leave them in the comments section, you can tweet at us, you can, you know, whatever, you can reach out to us if you have any, if you have any thoughts or if you have any comments. So I'm going to sign off, I'm going to leave you guys with this, and I hope you think about it, I hope you think about it objectively, if you don't like it, that's fine. You know, I'm not saying you have to like this. I'm saying I would have loved to have seen all of this. And I know I'm not the only one. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Like I said, we'll be back with uh, new content on a regular basis. So please stay tuned.